0: Hello, welcome to another episode of Unpacking Neuroqueerness. This is your host, George Muniz Gund. I have another guest on the podcast today, Um, A. Hello. Hello, welcome. Um, Thank you. So my first question for you today, A, is... um, So... T- tell me a little bit about what it was like growing up in different cultures such as uh Russia you were I know you were born and raised in Moscow um and then the U living in the UK for a couple years and in the- then in the US and what are the main differences you noticed and would you say there's one culture that you fit in more with
1: Uh I get this, I ask this question a lot, but I always fail with the answer. Uh, I know, I know at least, uh, with Russian culture, things are a little bit more upfront, which isn't a bad thing. And I, I, I think another guest that's been on here before has sort of described as such. Um, but it, it's, I would, I would usually the best way I can sort of describe the difference of Russian culture versus American culture is that when McDonald's first opened in Russia, the, the people who were hired to work at the McDonald's in Moscow had to get specific training about how to smile with customers because that was not like an immediate thing they could do <laughs> in comparison to U.S., which is all very uh, smile, customer friendly kind of stuff. It's not because Russians don't care about you. It's just we're we're not as small talkish as other cultures is the best way I could put it, I guess. We'll smile at you, usually, if we feel gen- genuinely happy about something talking with you. Yeah. O- otherwise, it might just come off as rude, at least culture-wise. Um, so, yeah, so, Russian culture. It's its very friendly. If someone is stuck, everyone sort of pitches in and pulls them out. Like, I've seen multiple mm-hmm. times where someone gets stuck on the uh, metro, and then you see the whole car jump up and pull them in. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this is the more stereotypical example I could come up with.
0: Yeah, I uh, think... Mm-hmm. No go, ahead. no go ahead i was um i was just gonna say uh i can i i think i may, maybe like i would have an an easier time with the like i i get the whole part about like not the not like trying to smile thing too because i see that it is the the very like because for me i don't mind that if like but i, I know that a lot of people here like there there's this culture around uh, the the expectation around people smiling so like i've noticed that when you go to restaurants and stuff um that here i think even compared to like places i've been to in western europe it's i've noticed this that there's a um in the us there is like this this expectancy around like oh always having a smile, and then if you don't smile, like, you're seen as um, an outlier, like, there's something wrong. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. like, I'll jump back to Russia, but on the topic of Western Europe, with UK, it's very much, if you ever get on a support, customer support call with UK, it's definitely Mm -hmm. not the same attitude you have in the US. It's, like, they'll be friendly, sure, but also there's what do you want, which is Mm -hmm. something I can appreciate without sounding too stereotypical about it. It's, yeah. it's a different vibe. I, I think part of it as well is just how, don't get me wrong, UK is very capitalist, but uh, how deeply, I guess, capitalism, and consumerist the US is. Yeah. It's all about like trying to get the consumers and the customers. And that sort of creates this different, I guess, social connotation of you, you, you always have to smile at everybody to get what you want, which, which I sort of get at the same time, just seems extremely <laughs> uh, tiresome and, uh, but yeah, I mean it's yeah, with Russia it's it's while there's a lot of stuff where you don't have to engage yourself, stuff it's not all always the best there's sort of with Russia there's sort of a silent connotation and I mean I th- this also applies with anyone that's queer or in Russia which is that anything that isn't of the typical normal range in terms of behavior in terms of orientation in terms of personality it's not as readily apparent in public, like mm. you. Not not to say there there isn't a wide range of like, oh, there's someone nuts over in the alley over there. Stay away from there. That like that's a different thing. It's specifically like, as most people know, in Russia, it's extremely homophobic. Like there's a whole culture of basically them going like, oh yeah, pe- people who are gay are pedophiles, and they like to go into the zoo and. Uh, wait, what's the swearing policy here?
0: <laughs> oh, you can swear.
1: Oh, okay. And they like to go into the zoo and fuck the animals. Like that, that, mm-hmm. that, that has been a legitimate thing that's been said on the news programs. Wow. Not, not by the news anchors themselves, just like something that has appeared in the news program, like when they're interviewing people and asking, what, what is your take on them? Oh, and in the same way as well, people who are, I guess, neurodivergent, there are definitely neurodivergent mm-hmm. people in Russia. It's just, if you ever end up on, I, I guess the best way is to describe like too neuro, too, uh, too neurodiverse in terms of like there's no way you're blending in. Mm-hmm. You tend to not culturally and socially I, I think it, it's harder to be like integrated into the society there and accepted I mean there's a whole I forget that number of the orphanage, but there's a specific orphanage that a lot of parents who have like kids with like heavy on the spectrum mm-hmm. uh, among other things as well as like very uh, severe Down syndrome it is severe in the sense of like it's uh it, it, you can it's more easily distinguishable between them and someone who's neurotypical like they they get sent to that orphanage and given up by the parents like there mm-hmm. there there is a it's and that that's an extreme end that's not mm-hmm. that's not the normal but that extreme does exist in Russia as it does in other countries i
0: see Wow. yeah
1: um uh, you you learn how to blend it <laughs>
0: I see, and that that kind of leads into my next question. Do you feel like you le you used to mask your traits, and if so, what did mask masking usually look or feel like to you?
1: i still mask i can't, i can't yeah. turn it off <laughs> i mean yeah i'm masked
0: too i I feel that um <laughs> I know that it it seems like I feel like maybe some people don't. I mean, I think I mask less than I did, perhaps than I did, or I'm just more aware of it, but I do notice yeah. that it is kind of um, automatic. It is like very automatic for me. It's because I've I've gotten so used to doing it and I'm sure it's probably the same way for you um, that it's just kind of happens automatically like when I'm going into a situation. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I
1: mean, it's, Like and to be clear, getting therapy, psychotherapy, whatever, to help with these issues is not a bad thing whatsoever. It's like it it definitely helps. Like regardless of your background, it helps. Mm -hmm. I think though, I got very drilled into intensive therapy of learning how to blend with people that I just, I don't know if internalized is the right word, but something along those lines. It's It's basically almost unless I reveal it or I slip a little bit, almost nobody can tell I'm usually neurodiverse. Mm -hmm. Um. And I'm, that's, that sounds cocky but eh. like it's in, in like a public setting of, uh if the are passing by quick conversations they usually can't tell like the, yeah. the it's like i i basically learned and it's probably a reason why i'm like in I, was, I live in new york city and i so please help but uh i just learned how to blend in and just seem neurotypical like it, it's it's really hard for me to act to actually turn off masking unless I'm more comfortable with someone because then like I it's an automatic thing I can't really control it I've been asked the same thing by therapists of well, like why can't you turn it off I'm like yeah that's not a thing it's not <laughs> a thing yeah <laughs> it's it's very, it's very much outside of my control unfortunately yeah. it's just been drilled into me It's just mm-hmm. is, is automatic yeah especially like as, as you've said like living at like living in different countries. You have to learn, like, okay, these people, these people, this people. I have to automatically just uh, turn it to something else.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is uh, unfortunate that um,
1: not to say I'm not true to myself. It's mm-hmm. more that like I, certain behaviors of mine the masking is just like I'm. I yeah. I hold back.
0: Yeah, no, I feel the same way as well, and uh, it makes me curious sometimes, like. I think of if I hadn't been conditioned to mask, or even internalized, like I needed to feel like I needed to mask, and then gotten used to masking, I I I wonder like what it would be like, what I would be like, like what what or what I would be like in certain situations, a hundred percent unmasked, which I know that I even if I. It, it like it won't happen because even if I want to, even if I think, oh, I want, and maybe I'm even trying to unmask, but it's just, I know I'm gonna mask at some point. So I keep thinking to myself, what would I look, what would I look like fully unmasked in a in a certain situation?
1: Yeah, I mean, sort of the same for me. Like, there's no way I'm ever gonna be a hundred percent fully unmasked. Yeah. Like if you want to see me unmasked, I guess it's basically if I'm in sensory overload and I'm in my room with the lights mm-hmm. off or whatever, yeah. uh, and that's when no one's uh, mm-hmm. observing me, which I guess is sort of like quantum mechanics. It's just, just I'm I'm both states unless you observe me, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm either uh, just like turned on or I'm turned off. It depends okay. on the person. <laughs> I see. Yeah.
0: Um. So I know uh, you. Have a sister um, with ADHD, and uh, it's a little different than my experience. I have a sister that's neurotypical, um, and but you know, I know like siblings can still argue a lot. Um, and what were the? Although I know that I, from my understanding, you two also have a, a good relationship now. And um, but what were some of the main things that you feel like? You guys were like your neurodivergence was different. And what were some of the things where maybe you guys saw things similarly or some of the things like maybe some moments that solidified your relationship over time?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I have ADHD too, so on that front, mm-hmm. we both can. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, s- mm-hmm. uh, sympathize where we're mm-hmm. both like, we can't sit still, we can't focus, we can't fucking do anything. <laughs> we're just vibrating in the seat, waiting for someone to press a button, and then off we go. Um, and it's usually not towards the intended target. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, we viciously would fight, but that was more just sibling mm-hmm. stuff. Um, it's better nowadays. Um, I, I I do think she got the short stick in a lot of ways just because ADHD diagnosis along with like a lot of other neurodivergent stuff, it's a lot of the diagnoses and research has been on the male side and there are differences between the male side and the female side in terms of behaviors, reactions, stuff like that and females are more uh, commonly misdiagnosed than males. It's just mm-hmm, because the, mm-hmm. all the diagnostic stuff was built around male physiology and men, not mentality, but psychology, whatever. So I think there are a lot of times where my sister was expected, not a lot of times, but almost all the time, my sister is expected to act in a different way and be able to catch up in comparison to me, where I was given more slack. Mm-hmm. In terms of specific behaviors uh, between the two of us, I don't know of any off the top of my head, but. It's the she, she d can definitely get more focused and intense and wound up in something, which is not a bad thing. It's just how she works. Versus me where I will that I can also do that, but what may happen as well is if I see the next shiny thing I immediately jump to that.
0: <laughs>
1: but it's the yeah, it's she she's gotten the short end of the stick a lot more than I have.
0: I see. Yeah. Um and um so what what is it um do you usually disclose your diagnosis or like um i mean of course it probably depends on on the person as well but um what is it like when you do have people that are closer to you and that you do disclose your diagnosis are you usually met with um resistance and like not people not understanding or have people usually been more understanding um of what it really means and like of neurodiversity in general like what's been your experience with that
1: Thankfully, people I've disclosed it to, they've been fine with it. I mean, the caveat I also will say is I, when I meet people, I don't usually disclose up front I'm mm-hmm. on the spectrum. I'll disclose I'm, I have ADHD. I have no problem with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same with workplaces. So any workplace I've been in, I'll disclose, hey, I have ADHD. And that's usually just because up front, like, hey, I'm not going to be as productive immediately mm-hmm. or as consistently as my coworkers. So just, just some leeway is... Needed, but I will get mm-hmm. the stuff you want done. <laughs> and it, depending on the day, I'll get I'll get a lot done. Yeah, Uh but I don't usually disclose the fact that I'm on the spectrum until much later. Until like they they I, they know me well enough that they aren't viewing it through some kind of lens of oh you're this or that. Because there have been people like throughout my life of, like I they find out I'm on the spectrum and meet. Unfortunately, the amount of times I've gotten, "Oh, you're a Rain Man," mm-hmm. I'm like, "Fuck no!" <laughs> okay. I wish, I, on some level, I wish I was mm-hmm. Rain Man. Those skills look useful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wish, I wish I was that superpower to brain. No, I'm just, I'm just stuck. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's usually my policy has been like, if someone finds out, I don't usually have a problem with it. It's, it's usually more like open secret kind of policy. Like if they find out, okay. But I will not disclose it up front when I'm first getting to know someone once I know them a little bit, then they'll find out like maybe by me. but if they find out earlier than that, oh well,
0: yeah, what are some of the things that like in in the experiences of of people that find out without you telling them or like before you tell them what what would you say are some of the things that? kind of maybe give it away to them or that they become curious about
1: uh i mean i i definitely don't as actively socially engage with everybody as others do <laughs> mm-hmm. like if you engage with me sure i'll, I'll respond mm-hmm. i'll answer questions i'm not as initiative go getterish in terms of like oh how was your day like i'll try to do the courtesy stuff mm-hmm. but uh the that's the bad thing i always feel about and something i try to work on mm. is just i have a conversation with somebody usually it's them asking me questions <laughs> mm-hmm. and i try i try to reciprocate like how about you how are you who are mm-hmm. you and whatever but yeah. it's uh, given it, it comes and goes depending on the day but uh, yeah i lost track of the question already
0: <laughs> oh it was uh yeah it was just about um like, people's, oh, what people, what kind of stuff people usually notice, but I think that does make sense, like, um, that we're just not... Because I feel, like, I relate to that a lot, how other people have it kind of automatic, like, they, it's, like, this kind of neurotypical social language where they'll know, like, the code is to ask you, like, you ask, um, they ask about like, you ask about them, and then they, they like, automatically ask about you, but, like, certainly for me, like, it doesn't compute automatically, like, of course, it it doesn't mean that I don't care about them, or that I don't want to know, or that it's, like, but I just feel, like, um, then it doesn't, like, I don't automatically think of asking, of of asking them when they ask me, because... I, I don't know if they necessarily want to be asked or, like, um...
1: Definitely. Also that, like, we don't necessarily have anything to ask. Not that we're yeah. not interested in you, it's just... Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, yeah. don't, we, we don't have anything, we don't have we anything want to ask to about. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, I feel that, like, um... Yeah, like, a lot in, in like, interview situations or even, like, simulated interview situations... Um, where there's that, like, they ask you at the end if you have anything to ask, and then it was always, like, it is, like, it's the same thing. It's, like, well, I know that if I don't, I feel, I worry that if I don't ask, it's going to be interpreted as as me not caring, but it's just because I don't. And I don't want to, I think I'd rather... I'd rather say that I don't have anything to ask or like I could still say something like, Oh, thank you. Um, just, you know, thank you for your time or thank you for asking. But, but I don't, I'd rather do that than like make something up in my head because I've done, I feel like it, um, when people would ask that or do that in the past, when I was like maybe a little higher masking than I am now, uh, or, I I think I would do that where I would just make something up. I would say, I would just make up a question, but then it would be weird because sometimes it's like the first thing that would pop in my head would be maybe something that they already talked about or explained before, and then it makes them think that I wasn't paying attention at them before, but I'm really like literally just asking this because I feel like I have to have a question for them?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, for me, it definitely becomes a bit of a struggle on dates <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because the whole expectation is you're supposed to ask each other a bunch of information, which, not wrong, it's 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 something you should do. <laughs> but you like I'm like I usually have to like before I go, I'm like looking at a website and, oh like okay, questions to ask, questions to ask, questions to ask, and I try to I try to store it to use for later. <laughs> Because otherwise, it's like I have no idea whether a question is going to fail and stutter, and then the conversation stops. I'm like, okay, no conversation went. I have to go ask another question, see if this sticks, kind of thing. And I'm sure they're doing the same thing with me, but it's it's, it's a little bit painful. It's
0: painful, yeah. No, I was gonna ask a little bit about dating as well, and um, if you found uh, it challenging to be dating as a in the as an autistic person. In a society that tends to be neurotypically biased because I've certainly felt that like you were saying, like I've had dates where um it the conversation just kind of stops and it dies, and then I don't and then I'm like having to scramble like trying to think of things to ask and um and it and then i I have to come up with something and then I come up with something and then it feels. It feels kind of shallow or it feels like it doesn't really stick, you know, and it's it's like not even what I really wanted to ask.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely some ableism I've always had. Where, like, there have been people, not necessarily where I would disclose autistic, although I think there was one or two people that did that, but where I'd just go like, hey... Like they're trying to like there are Russians in the city that are trying to message with me and I'm going like hey I'm sorry my Russian has a little bit died since I've left the country and they they go like why which like another part of Russian culture is you don't screw up the language you don't fuck up the language we have Dostoevsky we have Pushkin we have all the other writers this language mm-hmm. is not something you fuck up <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, they'll go like, why? Can't, why? Uh, is it not as good? And I'll go like, I, I had problems learning languages as a child, and we get the mix up, whatever. And then it's just that's it. That's all mm-hmm. I hear from them. Like, I, I, it's a little bit more severe, especially I again on the Russian side. Like, there are Russian people who talk to me. I go like, uh, my languages are not as great, and that there's it's some ableism there. Yeah. But I definitely encounter it also in the American sphere, but. Like there's definitely a connotation of I don't disclose to people unless I know them well enough that I'm on the spectrum. Yeah. Otherwise, they're just going to get the wrong idea of me. And even then, I'm still struggling to keep up and go like, oh, yeah, I'm completely mm-hmm. normal. I, I promise I'm not going to murder you. I'm just weird. I promise. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, wow. I feel that I've I've felt the same way. Um, And it is kind of like it uh i feel kind of torn in between it because at the same time like it it feels like okay if i disclose at at least i don't you know i at least i'm not um maybe sometimes i feel like i'm uh like maybe they're not as confused but then they're still like they can be ableist and they can just have a certain idea of what being autistic means and and then they can maybe like not talk to me or they're they're gonna like they're still gonna it feels like they're gonna think of me differently or they're gonna like it's gonna taint their view or it's gonna taint the date yeah Um, i mean
1: also like dating is one of the most heavily socially coded or nuanced spheres of human interaction rest yeah. of stuff we, we i could get away with yeah i like i because a lot of it is also like the both parties assume i'm not going to understand the other person so let me just try to make some effort with dating it's very like especially with dating apps it's pretty much if there's one thing that's off about the person and i don't want to talk to them i'm done i'd swipe away end of conversation and especially for someone who is, like, the ADHD, have am very open up front with them and all go like, yeah, sorry, I, uh, like, I try to keep up up messages, but then I get distracted. Uh, but it's it's one of those things where, like, unless you know the rules of the game, you're heavily disadvantaged, like, you don't have all the cards you need. Mm. And you're just at a complete disadvantage of, like, hey, you seem cool. And they go, like, you're weird. I'm like, what the fuck did I do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm.
0: Do you notice like a. Uh, have you dated in like all three places Russia, UK, and US or
1: mostly like. No, no, mm-hmm. I didn't really date until I came to the US. Yeah. And even mm-hmm. then it wasn't until after I graduated. So mm-hmm. it wasn't until I was at least 2022. The, mm-hmm. at least until i was 22 mm-hmm. that i started dating and I, I think actually my first date was during the pandemic
0: mm. oh what was and that like
1: it was just like the first the first physical date mm-hmm. i've ever been on was like on the, in a park with someone i think and that was the, like that was the first date i've ever been on mm-hmm. like i i didn't i did not have much dating experience or anything like that i, I don't have a
0: yeah, I I hadn't done a lot of dating. I mean, just a few, I think it was a couple like 2 or 3 years ago that I really started going on dates. Um, and it was mostly through the apps and then and so I had a couple weird dates. You know, there was one date that I uh like I disclosed pretty early on, but I think the person just didn't um they were still like basically speaking neurotypical language with me, which is like okay because they're not, unless, you know, unless they experience it, they, they, they're not going to understand what, what the, the, like how, how to not be like so, <laughs> how to not speak such neurotypical language, but it feels like they would still get, um, like, off-put, when I wouldn't know what to say, and I think besides from that, there might have just not been a, a big connection anyways, um, and, uh, there was another situation, um, where I, I, I think I didn't, I ended up not disclosing, but, um, but we were, we ended up not like we we had actually set up to go on a date and everything, and I don't know if it was like if it was ableism, if it was the way I communicated, or or if it was maybe just they were feeling insecure, they were they were nervous or something, but they ended up ghosting. Uh, I didn't. I ended up actually not going because I think I I had messaged to confirm them. I but I knew they were gonna they were ghosting at that point, so it was like at least they, I didn't go to the restaurant. Um, but that's happened a couple times and then it happened, um, I went on this other date and it was the opposite, like I didn't disclose, but then I, I remember walking away from that date thinking, I don't know, like thinking I could have disclosed, but like in retrospect, as we've discussed, I feel like it probably, it might've just not, It's still... it Maybe it would have just been a different kind of weird or... Like, I don't know if it would have... Unless the person had a lot of understanding about... About neurodiversity, it probably wouldn't have mattered. But I remember that was a date... um, That was awkward because it was one of... It was that date that I kept... um, That the conversation kept dropping a lot. And... I was very nervous trying to... Like get it back on track. Um, yeah,
1: no, th- that's definitely happened. It's just like just, I think in my mind I usually refer to it as like social cue cards. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just running out of questions. Yeah, no, <laughs>
0: absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have uh another question that kind of came up for me. Um, it's around uh TV shows. Uh, the or TV shows that like to say that they or they try to represent autism but they do a, a pretty poor job at it because they like the good doctor <laughs> like the good doctor exactly because they they, they they do everything wrong they they don't cast an autistic actor they don't cast autistic they don't hire autistic writers or creators they have no actual insight um and uh like inside perspective on it and then they also, they apparently The Good Doctor consulted with Autism Speaks, which... Uh, uh, <laughs> or, or the uh, it's a great choice. Great not choice. a great <laughs> choice. And the same thing with Atypical. Um, yeah. And so I was wondering, like, if you've seen, have you seen both of those shows or just The Good Doc? Have you seen any of the...
1: What was uh, the second show you
0: mentioned? Uh, Atypical. Atypical.
1: Oh, uh I haven't watched Atypical. Yeah. Um, I don't p- p- ri- mm-hmm. part, of, part of it is like it's sometimes painful for me to watch stuff like yeah, that. Yeah it is. I understand yeah. it, in terms of representation, mm-hmm. but also it's just it's the same way it's hard for me to watch the office. I can't mm-hmm. I can't watch the office properly because if I at a certain point it's just all the stuff that's been drilled into me in terms of socially wrong actions or things to do. That alarm bell is constantly ringing throughout mm. the, the whole show I'm watching. I'm just like, this is not, this is not fun or relaxing for me. Yeah, um, it's, it's, mm-hmm. especially with the what was, I forget the character's name, but Steve Carell's character in the Office. Oh, um, um,
0: oh uh, darn it, Michael.
1: Michael, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mean, I've watched The Good Doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's pretty typical. It's, <laughs> it's, I, uh, it's the the. You try to, you try to talk to them. They give you riddles, uh, like some kind of fucking genie mm. or Jim. Uh, Is yeah, it's, mm. like I, I don't expect much from them <laughs> yeah. usually. Like the, it's it's all of it, it's all usually of like the, it's, not always. I will I will give Hollywood and some of the shows some credit. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I'll give them some credit. Not all of them are bad, but then like a lot of them are like, oh, these neurotypical people are helping these uh, this person. I know with uh issues go through the world and set up stuff i'm like yeah we it's not that we don't need help but this is bullshit yeah it's (laughs) bullshit (laughs) and that's and that's the main way that uh, a lot of people get informed Mm -hmm. about the like the conditions and backgrounds and Mm -hmm. neurodiverse neurodiversity is like through the shows and they go like oh that's i mean rain man Rain Man is one of one of the biggest fucking examples of this. Everyone thinks you throw a bunch of paper clips in front of us. Oh, there's a fifty-four there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's, it's something that a lot of people use as a cue of like, oh, this is what this is. But it's not accurate. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's that's one of the things that definitely frustrates me the most is that this is it's harming people's perception of what autism is. Like, because then they think, oh, so you're like Rain Man, or oh, oh so oh, or so you're like the good doctor and, and or like even the kid from Atypical. Um and it's like I'm I will say, like I um about a year ago or something, I, I decided to write a review on Atypical and I even watched it again because I had watched it previously and I watched it again so I could um study it a little bit better and I there were things that that I would applaud that they got like they did a scene um like a sensory overload scene um and then they were doing like the the stimming there's like a, actually the opening scene where he's stimming because of sensory overload at his school and then he has like a meltdown on the bus and there was like I feel like it did a like there were some things about the internal experience and I think it did try to show more like what was happening inside for him instead of for what's being viewed by everyone else. But there were still a lot of moments that were like very problematic. Um and that the representation just wasn't really right. It was very it was very stereotypical. Um and it was very much so like you know like the fam like all the neurotypicals are like helping him be more neurotypical essentially which bothered me a lot um
1: yeah i mean it's like I, I would compare it to how russians are portrayed in a lot of movies and tv shows where a lot of them will go like oh you guys don't have internet or anything like that i'm like what the fuck are you talking about we don't have internet we're the ones that hacked your election what do you mean we don't have internet? <laughs> but it?" but it's also just like one of the worst russian accents i've ever heard in 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 a movie was the first Avengers movie where Natasha Mm -hmm. Romanoff is tied up on the chair and she's supposedly speaking Russian. I'm like, Mm -hmm. that is terrible. Mm -hmm. But it's like it's that kind of thing. It's just there's no representation, (laughs) and it it, and it might be similar to like uh, there's a whole thing about Russian representation in movies over time, depending on social context of the like the relationship between U.S. and Russia in the period of whether. They were enemies, or Russians were allies only if they defected, and like over specific like periods of time. Like I, there might be something similar with like people on the spectrum in terms of like there's usually someone that's not not to the extent of like Russia because that's that's a whole political thing, but uh, in the sense of like they're trying to go like oh the, we're trying to help these people or uh, you have fucking autism speaks who goes like oh uh, they're dead. <laughs> yeah, <well. laughs> they don't exist anymore. <laughs> and it's just mm-hmm. that narrative.
0: Yeah, yeah. I did learn that. Um, I think the the actor in Atypical or the producers. I'm not sure they they had been consulting with Autism Speaks, and I'm like, why? Um,
1: my just... my company actually, um, without giving too many details of where. I work. So I work for a finance company, mm-hmm. but it's, I work as a software developer. Um, they they actually had some kind of like hackathon with some other finance companies, and it was sponsored by Autism Speaks. Oh my God. And I said, I, and it was, it was supposed to be Autism Awareness. Oh. And it was like Autism Month, month. it's like, oh, it's the um, uh, in support of it, we're partnering with Autism Speaks with, along with a few others for a hackathon kind of thing. And I sent them an email, I'm like, Along with the link to the Autism Speaks Wikipedia page, like, hey, you do know that they consider people who are become autistic as like they are dead. The the person they were no longer exists, right? And that is this eugenic sort of thing. And mm-hmm. then they took a look at me like, okay, we're not partnering with them again. I'm like, it took you this fucking long for someone, that someone that it to send an email to <laughs> you and and make that distinction. Like I'm I'm bottom of the totem pole here. How the fuck am I the one to tell you guys, no, don't work with them? Yeah. They don't have the best interests in mind. But yeah. I mean, also, like, it's... it's uh, I forget who the, the chairman used to be a part of. It was like GE or Ford or mm-hmm. something like that. They have a lot of corporate connections. So obviously, autism mm-hmm. speaks as a huge, like, marketing presence and yeah. stuff like that. So, but, so I get that. But still... Why the fuck was it me that I had to point out, hey, these yeah. these people are not are not are not in support of people who are autistic. They want to get rid of us. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> and it's that's why I was like so It's mind boggling that like people that wanna make a show that that about like representing a community wouldn't I mean I think it just speaks to like the the mentality they they like maybe just I mean, it's, sort
1: of, it's sort of like also the, the that what was it there was that stupid people with disabilities dating show
0: oh love on the spectrum was that
1: uh, it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And it's it, like i saw um i forget the name of the the like podcast clip i saw from uh it's, it's funny i need to find it later um it's about, like, one of them is, I think one of them is autistic, and he mm. <laughs> he made a comment that I really like, because basically, it's, people keep asking us about, oh, have you seen this show? And we go, no, that show isn't for us, it's for you people, so yeah. you can feel good about yourselves. <laughs> it's not for us. We don't need that. <laughs>
0: no, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, because the, the editing, I remember, like...
1: I've never watched it. I have no desire to watch yeah, it. Yeah, it's not, I, I don't I, recommend never it. it. I've, like,
0: I've, yeah,
1: yeah, it's just for yeah. the neurotypical people Mm-mm. so they can feel Yeah, it, it is, yeah. It's uh, not for anyone that's uh, neurodiverse. We don't give up No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: because I've had people recommend that one to me also. I'm just like, I've
1: had people ask me about it. I'm like, I don't know. I don't watch it. I don't yeah, want to watch it.
0: <laughs> no, yeah. Um, gosh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what i just a little I'm I'm curious about uh, like if you have more, more thoughts on 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 the Good Doctor because the Good Doctor I actually um, when I first started watching it, like I think the very beginning, the in the very very beginning I liked it because but I didn't I was still. I hadn't realized all the problems with it and the the thing I I liked was that um it seemed like oh because they were showing like um they were showing like his his skills instead of like portraying it didn't have like the um, the tragic like oh my god like this person is a tragedy and it's like showing I liked how it was like there were moments that the like his coworkers doubted him and then he would like he was always he was right about what needed to be done with the the procedure and whatever and like so I felt like oh like I liked that and then but then it became problematic because I started realizing not only that it was like giving him it was it was fitting him into a, a stereotype and he was keeping that stereotype and then it leads people to believe that all of us have those kind of like savant skills or whatever like
1: um well, that's that's the biggest tragedy I think about the media representation it's like mm-hmm. great man, good doctor whatever mm-hmm. and the why I say like I wish I had those skills that's an extremely extremely small number Number of people on the spectrum where they have these like superpowers, yeah. Of mm-hmm. like the specialized skills are they extremely good, and I'm like, I wish I had that, that'd be fun, yeah. No, me too, like, <laughs> but it's
0: it's yeah. not the case for mm-hmm. a majority of us. That is, yeah. that's an
1: ex- extreme, uh, uh, oh, fuck, what's the word? It's, it's an extreme end, it's mm-hmm. an extreme end of the spectrum, and again, the key word is spectrum, which yeah. I think a lot of people outside mm-hmm. don't always remember which is basically mm. it's a spectrum the whole fucking point is that there's a bunch of us with different situations yeah we're not the same That's the, the same. phrase spectrum mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah i mean I, I liked the good doctor a bit at the beginning mostly just because also it was one of those shows i'm like yeah why not i'll mm-hmm. watch it so i i, I mean also i like the i forget the actor's name but the the guy who was uh toby in west wing oh. um he played like the, the hospital director or something. I can't remember so, his I know, name like,
0: either. But um, I think I, I know I know what you're talking about. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If his name was Toby, I figure it's been a while. Um, but I mean, it doesn't help as well with like what is it nowadays that the the meme came out of it of the 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 good doctor crying in front of like some just emotionless guy questioning his abilities, and the guy is having a breakdown, and that just became a new meme format.
0: Oh really? I don't think I saw that.
1: The, if you type the good doctor meme, you will, you okay. will find it. <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. and is I I found out because of that as well that the good doctor is actually based I think on a
0: a Korean a, show.
1: I was about to say yeah, the, the South Korean show. Mm-hmm. Like it was originally that, and the guy in the meme was the one that helped bring it over to the states and oh. adapt it. For the states, and yeah. it's still. I'm looking, I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, but like, it it's like whatever goodwill the mm-hmm. good doctor had maybe built up, I think it sort of died when it just like, yeah, uh, it became a meme of like this person is struggling really hard to, to mm-hmm. whatever earn yeah. their position in this ranking that everyone's mm-hmm. already judging them, and then they're just diminished, and they're like, I'm trying fucking hard, man.
0: Yeah, no, it's, um, I noticed mm-hmm. that they don't give him any personality like it's all like he's he's made to just be this bundle of traits and i remember like he has this certain like his speech like they don't like he's always got the same voice and it's like they make it they portray him they portray him like he's really um because I know, like, a lot of neurotypicals perceive us as cold, but it's, like, they don't realize that, like, at least for me, like, it's not, like, maybe I'm coming across as cold to them, but, like, it's not that I'm not feeling the emotions, because, like, I feel like they want me to express the emotions in a certain way, and I'm feeling the emotions inside, and some I feel them so intensely. Like, I, I feel like we, a lot of us, um tend to experience emotions uh, and like empathy and uh, specifically emotional empathy a lot more intensive, a lot more intensely, but it's just, I don't know like how to express it. Like it's in in my head and and they play it, they portray it, I feel, as if the main character, Sean, doesn't feel it at all because I think it, it goes back to that that uh, myth the stigma about us not having empathy and it's like i don't know like i struggle sometimes with cognitive empathy because like i'll know someone is upset and i know and i can really feel it really intensely that they're upset but i don't know why they're upset and i don't know yeah. how to act in that situation sometimes
1: yeah i mean also the issue is like um, they they expect our whole personality to revolve around the spectrum the spectrum or something like that yeah exactly you, like the whole, like, have you not heard the people who have, I don't know why I'm making this comparison, uh, but people who've lost limbs, mm-hmm. they, they, when you talk to people like that, they're, they're going like, no, it's not my whole personality, it's just mm-hmm. something that happened to me or is a part of me, but it's not my personality, I'm not going around, oh, I don't have a leg Mm -hmm. This is my personality. That's it. I'm like, no, fuck no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) uh, (laughs) No, you don't do that. (laughs) No, (laughs) we we actually have facets. We're not so focused on uh, the fact we're on spectrum that we don't focus on anything else. Yeah. That sort of dispels one of the major Mm -hmm. stereotypes of people with, who are autistic of, Mm -hmm. Oh, they love trains. Okay. Yeah. So they're not focusing on the fact they're autistic. There you go.
0: Mm Yeah. It's, Like, I noticed his his voice is always, like, um... Oh,
1: that... That I am a certain... Exactly.
0: Yeah, and it's, like, it... I have not... Like, I've never... I haven't, myself, and I haven't met another autistic person that's, like, um... I don't know, like, it... Not to say that maybe there aren't some, but it just felt very, very forced. It felt very, um,
1: like it's, I, th- I think part of it is that there's still a certain view of us as being a little bit robotic, exactly. Of the that's the fact we the, don't outwardly display emotions. Word, robotic and exactly. Like, to be to be clear, we are emotional.
0: We are emotional. <laughs> that that starts up, and it I think as that's why we
1: have meltdowns because we <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's
0: not oh my god exactly because and then there's the thing with meltdowns where it's like people um they get they think of the meltdown as something we just do like there's literally it feels like there's people that think it's and this is whole like behavioralism like mentality like they think it's behavior out of nowhere they think it's just like they don't i mean under- to be
1: fair to them i will say this to be fair to them from their perspective it comes out of nowhere like yeah. I, I can understand that it's the same way like you put a penny down on the table mm-hmm. and then 30 minutes later the penny is jumping around bouncing off the of walls i'm like I get that. That's scary as fuck. I get it. I get it that (laughs) it's
0: scary. But yeah, it just feels like they don't... They don't try... Like, it's like they don't... And not to say that it's everyone, because I think some people do. um, But I feel like instead of, like, trying to... Instead of their mind going like, Oh, gee, why is this happening? Why, Why is... You know, why is the penny doing this? Or why... Why is he having this reaction? It's all... It's like, oh my god, he's having this reaction. Like, stop having this reaction. Like, I don't know. Um, yeah,
1: because always the greatest thing to do is say, calm down. Because that always works. That always works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, tell someone who's in labor. It's fine. Just relax <clears throat> and then push the baby out. The mother's going to look at you and go, you fucking push this baby <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god, absolutely.
0: So, yeah, that's what I, um, what started to really bother me, like, and especially as the seasons of The Good Doctor progressed, I was like, wow, they're just not, they don't get, like, he's always got this robotic voice, and no matter what, and then he puts it, they make it like, I don't know, situations that he yeah, they they make him really cold, they make him really robotic, always robotic, and there could be situations like, okay, maybe, like, he's not sure, like, like, I would feel like, maybe I'm not sure what to say, maybe I'm not expressing outward emotion about it, but, like, at least, like, show him thinking, you know, like, show what's going on in his head, like, he is, pro- because when they don't do that, it makes it, I feel like it feeds that stigma. Well, the
1: um, problem with, with that, though, is like on the other, where with that point on the other end of the spectrum, you have okay. the, you have like uh, Sherlock Holmes TV shows <laughs> where <laughs> it's like the the Stephen Moffat one specifically. Mm-hmm. I, li- I, I like that show, to be clear. I like that mm-hmm. show. But like, it's heavily implied that the guy is on the spectrum and that he just thinks everyone is inferior to him. And when he is thinking, it's like, oh, and it's sort of along the line of like Rain Man. He has this whole like huge, Ability that no one else ha- has, and he has the mind mm-hmm. palace, which is an actual thing. Mm-hmm. But they like over, I guess, overblown. Yeah, and I mean to be to be clear, I'm saying this about a a, a legendary literary figure, which mm-hmm. like if, if Sherlock, if you're gonna do this, Sherlock Holmes would be this kind of character. Mm-hmm. But in the the, the uh, incarnation of Sherlock Holmes in the Stephen Moffat series, it's it's displayed as like he doesn't give a fuck about anybody. It's only about him. And the, because he doesn't understand something from someone else, it's inferior automatically. Mm. And it's, it, I, f, I feel like there's a little bit of subtext of like, oh, it's, it's like he's on the spectrum. This is why he's this way. And it, it, it always pisses me off a little bit. and sort of adds to the, oh, do you have amazing abilities like that? I'm like, fuck no. <laughs> no, yeah. If I did, I wouldn't be working now, as much as I do right now. It would mm-hmm. be rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah.
0: Um yeah uh another thing i was just thinking about is when people like uh people in terms of like when someone is in in like emotional distress or like they're crying or they're having a hard time and this actually reminds me of this one instance in my acting class that My teacher did this correction, and I think when I thought about it later in in retrospect, I think it wasn't really... I think it was kind of a neurotypical bias thing, Um, but I'm sure he didn't know. But basically what was happening in the scene is that my mom was... um, She was kind of having... She had been... uh, So she was... uh, she had become schizophrenic over time, and she used to be this really, like, well-renowned math teacher, and I go out to visit her, to check on her at her house, and she's, um, she's, like, working on this new theory, and she's all excited about it, and she shows me the theory, and And then I start like the, what I'm supposed to do is basically what my character does is like I I start reading it and I notice that it's, it doesn't make any sense. And then I, and then she notices eventually that I notice that it doesn't make any sense. And then she's like all discouraged and, and she starts crying. And I remember like, um, me, my natural response and like a lot of my training was, was like, um, about like really, um, really grounding myself in the, in the, like really being in the moment, I guess, and like working off of my partner and like what, what the gut, working from the gut, I guess, like the gut, what the gut reaction would be. And I feel like, you know, for me, like, as an autistic person, but also like the way I am with my personality. My reaction in that situation is not to go right up to her and comfort her, but to kind of give her a little bit of space. And I've read read another autistic person talking about this before, about how like for a lot of autistic people, maybe not everyone, but for a lot of us, it's like that's how we like to be comforted sometimes is um
1: you're being respectful of the space of the other person exactly being respectful. like they're like there in turmoil you're not immediately going to try to invade their personal space exactly
0: <laughs> and so that's what i was doing in the originally in the scene in that moment i was kind of like giving her her space and then and then i eventually come up to her because the direction eventually is for me to to go to her and, and kind of take her inside. And so I'm like, hey, come here, let's go inside. And um, so my my, my teacher, um, actually the very first time I did the scene, he said that I did it too cold. Like when I came, he, he was talking about when I came after her and I was like, hey, let's go inside. And I was feeling the emotion inside. Like I was feeling bad for her, but... Yeah. But I wasn't like outwardly, like, oh my God, let's go inside. You know? And I was just like, but I was like there. And I was like, okay, let's go inside. And he said something like, it looked like I was talking to her like a dog or something. And I was like, <laughs> no. I laughed. That's how, like, I laughed when he said that. Because I was like, I mean, that's not it. Like, I was, I was it's just, like, because he had this expectation of me, like, being super, like, emotional, and then, whatever, like, I did it again, and, and then the next time, it wasn't that, but then he gave me a hard time about, like, he actually had me do that part of the scene again, because of, uh, because he said, this is your mom, you should be, um, you know, like, basically telling me that I should have gone up and comforted her, um, and, and and then, like, take, taking her inside, where I was just kind of... So he didn't even understand the whole thing about, like... And it actually... So when he made this correction, it happened to be my final scene. And it happened to be the... It was when I had my fam Like, we all had family and friends watching. And, oh, yeah. And it was, like, I felt like I didn't even think much of it in the moment but then I thought about it a lot later and it was a little annoying because I was the if, only
1: if it, if it was like the class for a class rehearsal kind of thing that would be one thing but if it's like where people have been invited to watch yeah that the, the, like I've I've worked in theater I'll i on the technical side but like that that's that's just shitty <laughs>
0: yeah cuz I was like and then I didn't like, I didn't even think about it because I was, like, so distracted with everything else. But then, like, I remember my mom and my sister saying that, like, that they didn't like that. Um, how... It's your
1: interpretation. That's the whole fucking point. It's an actor's interpretation. Exactly. Of the each actor is going to be different. It's the same reason there's so many fucking incarnations of Shakespeare plays. Mm-hmm. Not each one is the same thing. Each yeah. character. Like not every bottom and Midsummer Night's Dream is the the same character. The whole point is basically a person tries to play even a more of an ass than the previous person or in a different way. Yeah. It's each character's mm-hmm. interpret each actor's interpretation.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was definitely frustrating and especially when I when I looked back at it later. And I hadn't even seen it. It was interesting because it was actually my sister. Like, I felt it. I think I felt it. But I couldn't, I didn't, like, in the moment, I didn't name it and identify it. Like, oh, that was neurotypical bias. Um, But I remember just feeling weird, like, weird. Like, because it even felt a little bit forced. Like, when I did it again and he said that was better. But it was like, okay, it felt a little more forced to me, like, it felt like I was masking, but anyways, my sister actually brought it up, it's interesting, because my sister is neurotypical, but, like, she was actually, she noticed that, and she was like, well, it would be interesting, like, um, if, if, if he thought about, like, how an autistic person would react in that situation, or even just someone that's not necessarily autistic, but that doesn't have that same kind of um, communication style.
1: I mean, I will also say, usually what has been drilled into us is, like, if someone's correcting us on certain social behavior, our automatic assumption is usually, oh, yeah, I did do something wrong. (laughs) Yeah, it is me. Yeah, exactly. I think
0: that's exactly how I felt. Exactly, yeah. And I didn't even realize that until later. Um.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean... In terms of, like, I mean, this is why I never got into the acting part of it, Mm -hmm. but, like, with a lot of stuff in terms of conveying emotion, whatever, I always view it a bit as a, like, this might be a little niche, a Commedia dell'arte, which is, for anyone listening that doesn't, that reasonably does not know what that means, it's basically, you can think of it as, like, over-exaggerated acting with masks. The -hmm. whole point is, basically, the masks are covering your face, so you can't directly show emotion to the audience. So, instead, what you do is your body is, a is more expressive than usual. So, like, so the is ki- someone who's playing the archetype of the king, they will lead with the way they're walking, they will lead with their head. The fool archetype will lead with their feet because they're jumping headfirst into everything. But it's all a bunch of exaggerated actions and motions because the facial expressions are covered, the face is covered, so you can't really tell. Not to say that this mm-hmm. committee of the Arte without masks there is, but, like, that's the whole point. It's exaggerated uh, actions and movements and performance. So that's usually sometimes what I feel like what yeah. we need to do in order to pass.
0: I know, yeah, which which was, like, perplexing to me at the time because it's, like, it's, like, yeah, it's, like, um, like, that would have been my gut reaction. But, but it, to, to them, it's... It's near to it's it like they say, oh, be yourself or be like what, um, like what you would do in the moment, but they don't realize it's not what you would like, what they would do in the moment.
1: I um, mean, for them, it's the like, it's their no fault of their own. Like, most humans are coded as like, I need to receive information from the other person of how to react. Mm-hmm. People on the spectrum are not particularly the greatest at
0: that. Yeah, yeah. It's just that goes like... That's the mm over-exaggerated stuff. Yeah. It feels like that that part goes like um, unnoticed or unthought about. Like it's just one of those situations where like... And this, uh, of course, my teacher, like not that it would have meant that he knew a lot about it. But of course I had told him like a long time before that I was autistic and he knew but, but it's like, you know, because there just isn't, and it's not to blame them. I'm not, uh, of course, but um, because there isn't enough understanding. And that's the whole thing with disclosing. Also, like, it's like, it's not even that it's gonna help that much if I disclose it sometimes, because sometimes I'll disclose it, and people will still have neurotypical expectations yeah
1: me. i mean yeah. It's, and people wonder why we're so fucking exhausted at the end of the mm-hmm. day yeah exactly like, because we're trying to keep up with you yeah that's why we're, we're exhausted. trying to keep up and you're... so we appreciate all you've done
0: but please yeah. leave us alone <laughs> yeah yeah like all these rules Every the and everything and yeah um another one i just remembered randomly i mean now it's like one of those it's like part of like masking and everything and i've I've come to deduce what it means, but it does still kind of trip me up a little bit, is when people ask, how are you? And then
1: you say, Oh, good. I have a default phrase for that. I just say, I'm alive. Yeah. I'm <laughs> alive. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I, I mean, part, part of that is like something, as, <laughs> like my, my Russian grandfather says <laughs> that a lot, and that just sort of rubbed off on me. Like, yeah, that's true. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's also like with Russians, We instead of saying I'm good, we'll say I'm normal. Yeah, i <laughs> normal. Yeah. With my grandfather's is like, yeah, sure, sure? I'm still alive. That's that's mm-hmm. my that's yeah. my default response for yeah, everybody. I, I like it. Throws that. a lot of people off,
0: but mm-hmm.
1: it, I'm like, this is this the answer when he wants I'm <laughs> alive.
0: Yeah. No, I want to try that now because um,
1: it's a true statement. We're not it's making a anything up. It's like, I'm and still I, alive. I, I and then they that. look at me like mm-hmm. chuckling. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. also still alive. I'm like, good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good because I always get like. I mean, there's one part of it that it feels like there, there's the, there's one correct response which is good, and anything else isn't isn't correct. And I think maybe like there was. I would wo- say that's
1: more that's more Americans because again, yeah. with like Russian culture, mm-hmm. you don't say I, I'm good mm-hmm. unless like you're with friends or like you're try, like you you mm-hmm. genuinely feel good or whatever. But it's considered polite to just go like I'm fine. I'm fine. I see.
0: I think that would even feel more and I I understand that now that how that relates how that you were saying earlier about Russian culture, like I would feel more comfortable with that.
1: Yeah, the whole point is basically yeah. like, you good? You go, I'm good. Yeah. It's like, okay, not in the con- mm-hmm. connotation. Mm-hmm. Of like, how are you? I'm yeah. good. How are you? I'm good. If the whole point is, you good? I'm good. Because
0: it's <laughs> happened to me before where I say, oh, I'm okay. I'm fine. And they're like just okay, and then Whoa. yeah, that's
1: why I just say I'm still alive. I'm I, think still alive. I do have people that go like you are <laughs> yeah. just alive. I'm like, I'm alive. It's I'm a true alive,
0: statement. Yeah, <laughs> could be. I could be so dead. Like there are
1: they're... people who still react to it, but I'm mm-hmm. like that's that's my default response. Yeah, default response.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I've always felt it. It's interesting. Like I want to try that one actually because. It's. I've always been either compelled, like I've always been forced to say, "Oh, I'm good," because if I say, like it, or or it's like I'm asked, "Oh, only just okay," or or like I think maybe there was one time that I did actually say, "Oh, actually not," and they, like that's where they really get, like they don't know what yeah, to do. Yeah,
1: because they're not asking to when actually when you're ask like, you oh, "Oh,
0: actually, I'm not doing so great. I had kind of a rough morning." Kind of had yeah. a, a fight with my. I I, I have the fallback
1: mm. of if they question, I go like, "I'm Russian. This is what we do," I and then they mm. leave it alone. Mm. It's the same way that, unhealthily, mm-hmm. but it's like people go like, "How can you drink so much?" Or like mm-hmm. because I, I I guess I have a large alcohol tolerance. I just go like, "Oh, I'm Russian." And then they just yeah. drop it. it. It's like a magical phrase, and it's like, mm-hmm. "Okay, that's good enough for us." I'm like, "Good."
0: Oh, <laughs> I see. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because then there's. Uh, there's that, like the initial I'm good and, or the initial like how are you question that they ask. And then what I've experienced also is when they ask it again, they ask it like a second time and it used to really trip me. And uh, maybe it's like a U.S. thing, too, but like it, it has happened to me specifically here um, where where they ask, "I'm g- how are you? I say, I'm good. Uh, how are you? And they say, good. And then and then like uh, and then they ask again at some point how are you, and then I'm like them running out of
1: stuff to say. Them running out of stuff,
0: and then I've also been told that sometimes it's like uh, they want you to like say something about your day or about like or yeah like they want they feel like there needs to be more or like they want to take the conversation somewhere, whereas, like, for me, it would be a lot easier, and I've read about others saying this, too, like, if they if they say something like, oh, I did so-and-so, or I like so-and-so, and then sometimes there'll be something that I can pick up and relate to, but then sometimes they're, like... It's like they, they, they ask, and it's happened to me several times where I just don't get that cue when they say... Yeah. When they say it the second time, and I'll actually say good the second time, and it every time, every time I notice some kind of like confusion, like it it throws them a little bit. They're like, because they were yeah, expecting. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a
1: way of them making small talk or just mm-hmm. start keeping a conversation going. Because yeah. usually, like social protocol will be they ask how are you, you'll go like oh this this happened this and this happened. It's the, it's the normities, I guess. Normandies.
0: Social normities. Oh my God! Yeah, mm-hmm. like lovely, lovely social normities that. that uh,
1: yeah, it's it's, it's fun trying to keep up with them. Sure. Oh my God.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, like, it's interesting. Like now, and it's one of those things about masking. Like, okay, now I realize that I've kind of like learned, like, oh, okay, the second, how are you? Like, they want. And then I'll, like, I'll even try, to, like, I'll even be prepared, like, ahead of the conversation. I'll be, like, I'll be ready, like, what's my second, how are you? Like, it's gonna, I'm gonna say something about my weekend. Or I'm gonna say, oh, I'm working on blah, 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 or this or that. Or I'm going to, to so-and-so. And then, but then it still trips me out sometimes. It's, like, even knowing, like, I, it even takes me a while to process. Like, they do the second uh how are you? And my default response is I'm good still. Yeah. But then I'm like some and then they there's the reaction and then it's like two seconds later I'm like, darn it. I was supposed to like say something extra. And then I'll even be like stuck in my head and maybe this is also like ADHD or but I get like stuck in my head about it. And then I start zoom I and then they're like continuing to talk and all of a sudden I I'm not actually paying attention to what they're saying because I'm like, still like, oh darn it! I missed the that I missed that cue. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I, I think personally, I've just given up and tried yeah. to do <laughs> yeah. like I missed it. Okay, whatever. Moving on. I just yeah. <laughs> I gotta keep on. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. Another thing. How do you approach the sit situations when it's like um. Because I think I've experienced a little ableism with this, like with Ubers. Like when I was taking an Uber and then getting a driver that, like, really wants to chat. Because I used to, there was one point that I had, like, my sister, because you could see, like, Uber, like, you, the customer would get an Uber rating as well. And I think mine at one point was, like, four. I think there was actually one point that mine was like 4.3 or something and I'm almost positive it's because I don't usually like to to engage in conversation um and it's nothing like it's not that I don't care about the person or that I don't respect them but it's just a lot of times I'm not I don't have the social energy and I don't know what to say and then my sister even noticed one time oh you're like 4.3 like and then she said, Oh, it's probably because you don't talk. And then I'm like, yeah, and like, and that bugs me too, because I'm like because I had a feeling it was probably because of that. Because I have um I do remember like getting Ubers like um and then having them be really chat and being like really trying to engage in conversation and then like I'm just not really feeling the convert like I'm not socializing that much and there's like they feel like it's awkward silence and then they internalize it and they project it they think that it's something with them or i feel um i don't know if this is a thing and maybe if there's a difference like culturally with with russia because i've, I've certainly because i've I've lived in brazil for a while as well and i've noticed a cultural difference with like um uber or taxi situations in the u.s and in brazil Whereas in the U.S., it is very much uh, like a thing where they... It feels like they're a little bit um, nosier. Like, they ask you things... Like, I've had several times, uh, and my mom has even commented on this, too. Like, she doesn't like it either. Like, and um, how they'll, they'll ask you, like, oh, what are you doing for dinner tonight? Or what are you doing later today? Or what what was your, what did you do this morning? Something like, it just feels, I don't know if it is like, if it's a neurotypical, if neurotypicals are just more comfortable, like with that, or if it's more, it feels like more cultural with the US too, because in Brazil, it's, that doesn't happen very much with people asking. Yeah,
1: I, I would say it's, I, I would say it's, I think it's less neurotypical. I think it's part of the thing like, the cabs and Ubers in the US rely heavily on tips.
0: Yeah. And it's so just, I th- yeah.
1: I think a lot of the times they're like, "Oh, if I make conversation with them and I have a really good conversation, then I'm going to get a good tip." So I think mm-hmm. I think that's part of the culture I play there. Because it's like this, this, like I've also had people like try to encapsulate start conversations with me, and I'll reply and then mm-hmm. like joke along and smile. But then I'll look out the window, and they'll usually leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Um But it's I I think the difference is the fact is like it is very much that they, it's you is very heavily incentivized you need to get five stars as a driver otherwise you get less Mm -hmm. ride requests directed to you yeah and part of that is people will go like oh four stars because Mm -hmm. he wasn't as chatty and i didn't have a good Mm -hmm. conversation with him Mm -hmm. and uh, the it's drivers reacting to that so they they try to start up the conversations
0: yeah which is just so funny because like i've even talked to and i understand that of course like
1: it's, it's also, they're stuck in a cap. I can't
0: blame them. They're, they're yeah, I get it, too. But it's, things. like, um, it's funny because, like, and my mom has said the same thing. Like, for me and for her, we would tip better. It's funny, like, we even, I, all, I even thought about, like, hypothetical scenarios. Like, well, like, if I were being, like, sometimes I think of saying, just reaching over nicely and being like, hey, man, I'll actually tip you better if you yeah. don't. Try to ask me all these questions, um,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, I get it because culturally it's like what they feel like the like most people expect um is to have a conversation, but it's interesting because like in it's still a little nuanced, like I feel like there's maybe i don't know if this is the real case, but it feels like there's perhaps a little more neurotypical bias in the u s in the sense of like. In Brazil, they'll chat, and like they're, it's like, it's not like they don't like to chat, because I feel like they also do that in Brazil, but it's different. Because in Brazil, it's like they'll chat, but they don't ask you personal stuff, like, what are you doing later today? Um, I feel like that... Yeah,
1: well, I, I think part of it is just the consumerism part. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. in the US, it's very heavily... I mean, Mad Men is, I think, epitome mm-hmm. of this. It's just, it's very heavily... About being charismatic, and a lot of people higher up in American organizations very charismatic and very talkative, and I mean like a lot of mm-hmm. like very famous hustlers, I guess. Like they're very charismatic and talkative, and that's sort of viewed as the epitome, I guess, of success.
0: Yeah, that makes so sense. I see. I
1: think that's a characteristic in, mm-hmm. in the U- in the West, at least, that's linked with. Oh, if I'm charismatic and I can have conversations with people, that means I'm successful.
0: Mm-hmm yeah which is just it's so biased, and it's I feel like that i mean it's it's just another thing that's unfortunate because um it just feeds neurotypical bias, it feeds um I guess it feeds that stigma or a little bit of the ableism of like oh, this person isn't like social enough or charismatic enough.' because um, I feel like in like I'm starting to notice like because um, I've been talking to this other advocate and uh, we were like she works a lot with like educating so she has a nonprofit that's the uh, works with educating businesses on being more inclusive towards autistics and instead of or just like learning more like i guess educating the businesses about neurodiversity instead of um instead of educating instead of like trying to make the autistics fit fit yeah. them and then one thing that we're working on or like a project that i i decided to help her with is um like mock interview situations of training the employers like what questions like like the do's and don'ts of interviewing autistic people, like what questions are very open-ended or very confusing. Um, and I feel... And then just like with... I mean, because there, there's some things like um, how do you prioritize tasks or how do you stay organized, which feels very vague. And... Um, but then there's also things... Like, uh, because I think all of these questions, there's like a right answer, but then I feel like there's also like a lot of that kind of small talk that goes on, or like, tell me something about, like, they want you to say something about your personal life. And um, yeah, because they're,
1: they're trying to gauge at the same time whether you have the skills of whether culturally you fit into the company. Exactly. Because a lot of coworkers like to small talk and stuff like that. It's one of the things they try to gauge, which is not always the greatest. Yeah, which, uh, it, it also depends per company culture.
0: Because it feels like, in a lot of cases, it feels like they're... And I've even seen someone say it specifically like this, that it feels like they're, um, they're trying to weed out socially awkward people, but they don't realize that you're weed, essentially weeding out autistic people. And there's no reason... Or a lot of autistic people. And there's no reason to do that but it like you said it's all a cultural bias you know like they
1: yeah i mean i will i will say there are definitely people who like they're awkward but it's in a different kind of awkward like mm-hmm. even i wouldn't want to work with like mm-hmm. that because it, there there are nuances to this it's not like mm-hmm. everyone that's awkward is going to be someone who's neurodiverse some of them it's just like you're you're weird i don't know how mm-hmm. else to put it you're just weird versus I'm not going to talk as much, but if mm-hmm. you, but I will try to fit in as much as I can. Yeah. And I, th- I think there's not as much nuance on that in mm-hmm. company interviews where they're yeah. distinguishing between this person is weird. And regardless of the background of whoever mm-hmm. is trying to talk with this person, I don't think they want to talk to them versus, oh, conversations conversation is not necessarily their thing. Small talk is not their thing. Like if you talk with them, they'll, they'll mm-hmm. talk with you, could like answer your questions Converse whatever, but it's not their strong
0: point. Yeah, and I feel like, yeah, it does. It's it's um, unfortunately, there's a lot of emphasis on it sometimes on on the yeah. yeah. Um, I
1: mean, it's also HR. Like these are the same people. To be mm-hmm. clear, it it people who work in HR don't have it easy. <laughs> They're trying to conform to a whole bunch of things with the company. Yeah. So I don't blame them, mm-hmm. but especially especially the things like uh setting up software development interviews and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. HR does not usually know what they're asking questions about or the skills they're listing. Where they'll go like, "Oh, mm-hmm. we want five years of experience of this language." That uh, if you check on it, act the language itself has only existed for a year. Mm. Like they're they're trying their best of like trying to take the directives of the company or whatever institution is hiring them and find people that fit. So yeah. on that front, they're going to be doing a lot of things that they do. That they sort of templated for a variety of groups and roles, and that includes usually like, hey, let's try this conversational thing,
0: yeah, I see yeah
1: that's my yeah. that's my theory mm-hmm.
0: that makes sense, yeah, uh, yeah, I just feel like um it's definitely one of those areas that could um that could use some some change for sure uh or yeah. like more because it, yeah. they're
1: trying to optimize their time. they're trying to optimize. Mm-hmm. Easily, interviews mm-hmm. usually what an hour yeah uh, they'll, they'll op, they're trying to optimize how much information can i gauge about this person within the hour yeah i'm gonna ask them skill stuff i'm gonna mm-hmm. ask them for various scenarios what they would do but at the same time i'm gonna go like okay mm-hmm. skills okay how would you deal if you disagreed with your boss or something mm-hmm. like that's a very socially charge not charge but like social context question of like how would you engage in the workplace if you disagree with someone Mm -hmm. and want to uh voice your uh difference of opinion that and they're mm trying they're trying to gauge your communication skills Mm -hmm. at the same time as the social culture they're trying to like do more than one thing within that hour of time they've been given
0: yeah that would even um i can see that too like so i understand part of like it's not
1: good to be clear, it's no, not, it's not good, good, but I can but understand why you yeah, doing
0: it. Uh huh. And um because there's that actually reminded me of another so cause this person, the this advocate friend of mine, she got uh a lot of this info that I've been using that we've been using, she got as like feedback from different people that had these like that were in these interview situations. And I remember that one of them said that they were asked in an even more vague way like um without even saying like oh uh, a conflict with your boss or whatnot like how would you how do you deal with conflict in the office like that kind of question like where of course there it's like a social test but i feel like that's even being like so vague like i if i'm asked that i'm like well and and maybe they would tell me right but but i would i would ask them back i would be if
1: they're a good interviewer they'll and you ask questions they'll mm -hmm. help feed you information that's what a good interview is supposed Mm -hmm. to do if it's a bad interviewer they'll go like any situation exactly (laughs) exactly because i
0: feel like that's just
1: a bad interviewer that's not even mm -hmm. new york typical that's just Mm -hmm. bad interviewer yeah
0: Yeah, because it's just like, well, how am I supposed to? Like, even yeah. someone
1: that's neurotypical will have mm-hmm. problems. Like, I I want to understand the context. Yeah, it's like it's just better you are. Yeah,
0: yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, another thing, because I just have a few different things coming Culture. to my head. Um, and is there a cultural difference with this in the UK as well? Because I've noticed a cultural difference with restaurant culture in the u.s and in brazil so in brazil like you go you order and uh you know the the way the staff is so in brazil the staff isn't trained to like be checking in on you every five minutes and they're but they're around like they're around and they're all there's always like someone in the area where you are and then it's like if you need something they're right there and you just call them Um, but in the U S what I don't, and I'm sure like, you know, it's a thing, like some people probably like it and some people don't, but like, and I understand why they do it. And I know that it's like the way they train the staff to be. Um, but I, I, I've always noticed, uh, that here in the U S they're always like, they're checking in with you every two or three minutes. And it's like, And it's always like, how are you? And it's that classic, how are you question that throws me off every time, especially like, I mean, it already throws me off when I'm just like in a normal conversation setting, like starting a conversation. But it throws me off even more when I'm like, I have, it's happened to me several times where I have food in my mouth or I'm chewing or something or I'm like talking to to someone across from me and they still, like, they come and interrupt. And and it's like, how are... I, not only is it like, wait, wait, like, I'm, I, I lose track. Like, the ADHD part of me loses track of the whole conversation I was having. And then I get frustrated because I'm like, but where was I with this conversation? I really want to continue this conversation. So there's that part of me that gets kind of, like, thrown off. But then there's also the part of me... Um, sensory-wise, that I get kind of overwhelmed, like, because I feel like, particularly, like, when I'm going to a restaurant, and when I'm eating, um, even if I'm eating with someone else, I feel like there's this kind of invisible sensory bubble that builds around me, Um, and it's like, I'm in my space, and, like, I'm eating, and I'm, like, I think I become even more aware of my personal space, or even more sensitive to like stimuli, and of course, it can be worse on a, on a day that I'm like more tired and everything, but there's also like and I try to not and I feel like I do you know i I never get upset I always like you know ground myself and I, I know I, I don't I don't get upset at the person because I understand this is what they're being told to do but it it always throws me off too and it makes me it it does make me like i have to calm myself down cuz i do get a little irritated when i'm like in my sensory space and i'm eating and then like they just came and they're coming again and like how is everything all right how are you doing and and it's like wait okay like first it's that shock of like okay let me like like process this and like uh, redirect like it feels like it's a little slower for me too, to like pay attention to the person, but then I'm also kind of like I feel like it, particularly if I'm chewing or something, I feel a little and kind of shy, also, I'm a little more closed off in my sensory space, so I guess um have you noticed this as well with like, and and particularly in your case with like comparing the Russia, like Russia and the UK with restaurants in the U S where in the U S there is that culture where they're told the servers are told to be a lot more on top of you. And have you experienced that with like the sensory aspect of it?
1: I mean, I think the UK is a little bit similar to us, but again, I think the thing is the tipping culture Mm -hmm. because again, depending on how the customer views the waiter, it will change how they're tipped. Mm. You
0: know, though, yeah. Theoretically,
1: you should pay them because the restaurant industry is bullshit. Yeah. But like, it's, uh, like the question for you is like in Brazil, mm-hmm. how heavy is the tipping culture?
0: It's not heavy because uh, it's um, there yeah.
1: You go. Like it's they're not as depend. Like the reason they, I think they keep showing up is because they want to make a good impression mm-hmm. on you. If they make a good impression on you, you'll leave a good tip. Yeah
0: yeah that makes sense and it's
1: it's it's the quota it's like it's Mm -hmm. what the manager is also telling the waiters to go do because also Mm -hmm. like again the the customer is king is the philosophy in the u.s like the whole point is basically they should feel waited on
0: yeah i can i can get that part which i like but it's like yeah like I think uh, I'm not saying
1: it's good. Yeah. I mean, usually if they come up to me and they, they keep asking, I just raise a thumbs up and then mm-hmm. they leave me alone. Yeah, I see. Yeah.
0: Because then I also don't want to be, like, I feel weird, like, because sometimes, like, they'll be put off or, like, I don't know. And it's also a lot of, like, the, I think for me, like, also masking and overthinking and then I feel like, oh, was I too harsh by, like, not engaging enough with them, but I also then I just remind myself that it's that's my literal like legitimate authentic reaction yeah and yeah it's more like they're misinterpreting it if they think of it in another yeah. way but it's always weird and it's always a little uncomfortable for me and it's it's just one of those things like like with the uber thing it's it's they're they think in their mind that everyone is going to want to be checked on more frequently or like to be like um is gonna want more more interaction yeah,
1: um, yeah. again it's mm-hmm. the it's tipping culture i would say yeah like <laughs> it's it's a dependence mm-hmm. on hey i really need you to pay me so mm-hmm. i can afford stuff yeah so i'm gonna be very very nice to you <laughs>
0: yeah which and then sometimes i don't know have you ever like because this is something that i i think about sometimes but i also don't want it to be taken the wrong way or i don't want it to be viewed as too harsh but like with the servers too like sometimes i think about just bringing it up with them very nicely and like hey i understand you know like you you want it like you're trying your best and everything and you want me to be comfortable but like for me i prefer a little more space um Because then I guess it just kind of, like, in my, in my, I'm thinking, like, that might like, the goal would be, so they, they're, like, so it comes across to them as, hey, like, I'll, I'll, I'll still tip you really well. I personally prefer more space, but then I always, I don't think I've ever done that, really. And, like, maybe,
1: because I don't know if
0: they'll understand, like, if they'll take it the wrong way.
1: So yeah, I I, te- I try not to do that just because of, like there's no good like social segue with that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I just it I'm would feel do... like
1: if they come visit, I'm just like, I'm yeah. Good. I Thanks. think the I thumbs up is me a me good. Love. I like
0: that. Um, I like that approach. Uh,
1: like they they yeah. get the information they need of like, mm-hmm. yep, I'm fine with the meal. Thank you very much. Yeah, and then they'll uh, go with the rest of their tables.
0: Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so uh, I think there's one more thing that I wanted to ask you. Uh, I know we're at an hour and a half now. And, uh, no worries. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, what are some of the, the ways, like, some of the things that, like, friends and family do that make you, that's kind of, like, that makes you feel good, like, as an accommodation, like based on their, like, especially people that do have a lot of understanding, like, have been, that have known you for a long time and do have more understanding in terms of, like, sensory sensitivities and, like, etc. and whatnot, what are some of the things you say that you would say that people do to accommodate you, but, like, without even, without you even having to ask that some things that you, like, really appreciate? That, uh, from people.
1: I mean, it's right. Like I'm able to be left alone, and everyone's mm-hmm. like, "Okay, that's fine. It's yeah. no big deal." He's mm-hmm. like, "Where did he go? He went in another room." Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. It's like
1: it's very, like there are other people who are like, are we not doing something right? He's like no, he just wants to mm-hmm. sit by himself. Yeah. Um, and then also like if they try to talk with me and then I answer and then that's it, they're like, "Okay, that's it."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like they, they don't feel mm-hmm. like I don't want to talk with them or anything. It's just yeah. like I. I, d- I just wanna Yeah. I don't feel a great need to socialize at yeah. this moment. Yeah, that's great. You like you can the- ask me questions if you want. I'm just mm-hmm. not necessarily gonna follow up with my own questions.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's um certainly something that I also appreciate a lot is when it the person is like not reacting in a way that makes me feel bad or like makes me think like, oh, okay, they don't get it or like they they think I'm being harsh to them um, when they just understand and they're just like, oh, okay. Yeah, like like they get it like that definitely because then that makes me feel more comfortable like with them like, okay, I don't have to mask around this person Um, because if the person has some kind of like I do something like my face doesn't match my expression or i don't have anything else to say or whatever and they they take it in the wrong way or they're thrown off or they comment on it then i'm going to feel like i have to mask around this person and uh also around like support needs like like sensitivity, like for me with like sensitivity to like sounds and lights if the person asks me without me asking, like, is it too bright, is the sound, is this too loud, um, or so-and-so, like, I also tend to appreciate that, um, because then it feels like, if, if it's a situation that it comes up and I need to say something or I need to ask them, um, then it won't uh then it doesn't feel like I'm I'm an inconvenience for asking them or that like I'm uh yeah, like I'm I'm at like their uh doesn't feel like it's like gonna bother them if I ask them. Yeah. yeah. So that that definitely I would say for me is a is a big one. Um well, uh, I think those are all the the questions that I have for today. Um, I just wanted to say thanks again for, for coming on. Uh, this was yeah. this was really great. Um, yeah, thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah, of why? course. And maybe we could do, like in, in the future, at some point, we could do another episode. Uh, I'll pick like a specific topic, and, and if you're up to it, maybe at some point we could do another one.
1: Sure, why not?
0: Cool. Yeah. Um awesome. Well, have uh well, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll see you next time. Um and uh yeah, thanks again, Alex. Yep, no problem. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome.